future is now. And welcome to the SVK Crypto Podcast. 15 minutes of crypto value. My name is Charles Story. I will be your host for the next 15 minutes, coming live from the city of London, Shoreditch. So let's get down to business. First of all, let's address something real quick. The reason the SVK Crypto Podcast has not been going live this week is because I have been doing or well, been busy um, raising money for a great charity. I've been participating in a charity boxing match. In the last three months, I've been training. Last Friday, I had the fight, which I won. Uh, thank you all for the kind messages. And for a few days, we went off to Ibiza to celebrate the win and take some time away and appreciate the beautiful island that is Ibiza. So with that in mind, we're back now. We're back in the game, back on it, back doing what we do best, delivering each and every day. So with that in mind, I'm going to be passing over tonight's show to my co-host, Jess Holgrave, who is a very special guest on the show. We have the one and only Helen Disney. So let's get down to business. Hi, everyone. I'm Jess Holgrave, and I'm really excited to be guest hosting on the SVK Crypto 15 Minutes of Crypto Fame podcast every Thursday. I'm a co-founder of Shios, an EOS block producer with a mission to bring more women and diversity into blockchain. And so on Thursdays, I get to bring you stories from interesting women working in the blockchain and crypto space to draw some of the attention to the great work that they are doing. You can follow me on Twitter at Jessie Block and please send me suggestions of women that you would like to hear from. This week, I'm joined by Helen Disney, founder and CEO of Unblocked, which is a hub for blockchain events, education and information. Helen has been named, amongst other things, a crypto queen, a blockchain guru by Barclays, and you were listed on uh, the Women in Fintech Power List. Helen, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. It's always good to talk to my fellow crypto queen. <laughs> <laughs> um, Helen, tell, let's start with, with Unblocked. You describe it as making blockchain accessible for a non-technical business audience. Who are those businesses and, and how do you go about that? So it's not the easiest thing to do to explain blockchain, which is one of the reasons why I started up the company, because what I saw when I first got involved in understanding a little bit about Bitcoin and then cryptocurrency, and then starting to understand that there were applications of blockchain that would affect every business, not just people in financial services or you know, money transmitters, payment processors, but many different types of applications for enterprise. Um, that this was a story that did need to be told, but it needed to be told for people who were not coders, not software programmers, but senior business leaders. So the events are designed for anyone in a kind of strategic position in, a, in an enterprise that could be an SME and it could be a large corporation. Um, but where I think that there's an application of blockchain that's bubbling up, that's going to change what they do. So some specific examples could be um, making supply chains more transparent and efficient. It could be applications in the healthcare industry, both in pharmaceuticals and in healthcare administration and data management, or it could be in the energy markets, um, or it could be in the charity sector where blockchain is bringing um, a lot of different applications that can help charities to both raise money and also to make what they do more accountable to their donors. So those are the kind of four big areas where we work. Really interesting. I think it's 
increasingly important, obviously, for senior executives to, mm-hmm. to get grip on this. And, and certainly when I was sort of working in the art space, I found that um, at first people were quite sort of dismissive of it. It was the, the blockchain hype. And then we had the sort of the crypto crash and people kind of thought it might go away. How are the executives that you work with thinking about blockchain and crypto right now? Are they excited about it? Uh, what are they thinking? I think there is an enormous growth in interest from when I started where people hadn't even really heard of Bitcoin. So you had to have a conversation that went through what's Bitcoin? How does Bitcoin relate to blockchain? What is blockchain? Where can blockchain be applied? And we have kind of moved further than that now. So people are starting to understand, okay, blockchain is something that can be used in enterprise and they can sort of think about it as just another software solution in a way, which is helpful, though it's actually really more of a mind shift than that. But, you know, if you say blockchain, they think of it in the same way as they might think of cloud computing or AI or some of the other um, kind of tech transformations that have happened in in enterprise. Um, But I think there's still a kind of a, a hunger for you know, what's the there there? So show me real world applications, show me the value added, show me, you know, what is the number of users of this pilot or this proof of concept? How far advanced is it? How can I scale it? So we're kind of getting into the next layer of questions, which is all right, I get the blockchain idea, but now I really want to know the how and how can I grasp this and and actually make use of it? That's um. I think it's really exciting when people get to that stage because, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about it. But what is great is when we start seeing um, particularly enterprises working with blockchain to to run these pilots and, and show um, show things in action. Um, the hot topic, of course, right now in terms of big business doing um, doing blockchain stuff is Libra and, and, and that's Facebook's coin. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's really interesting because this topic has been sort of bubbling up for a while. I think for several years now, people have said in the industry, you know, Facebook is going to do something. It's just a question of of when and how. Um, and so, you know, for some people, this has sort of come into the news as a huge shock, whereas I think it, within the industry, people have been sort of speculating on this or be involved in this for a little while. But I think what's interesting about Facebook's involvement is it does send a signal to the wider marketplace that this is something that should be taken seriously. Um, so I think it's good for wider understanding and education on cryptocurrency and blockchain in general. Um, the specifics of the projects, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Um, I've been doing quite a bit of reading around to try and understand exactly the model and it's a slightly different governance model and, and kind of creation of project than some other things we've seen. So it's, it's really more of a, a stable coin than a cryptocurrency per se. So it's the idea of, of a, a kind of medium of exchange that's backed up by other existing currencies that you would have heard of, like the dollar or the euro, or maybe some other um, existing financial assets that will back up this coin. So essentially, it means people in developing countries can um, have access to a form of payment that's very easy for them um, to use and maybe have micropayments without um, big charges. So it's, it's a great accelerator for uh, or potentially a great accelerator for the use of, of cryptocurrencies. Um, I think the the tricky part is going to be already we've seen quite a lot of regulatory pushback on this, both in the US and in France, um, because Facebook obviously is a controversial company right now. So um, I think they have the clearly the kind of 
budget and the resources to defend what they're doing but I think it may take some time before the project kind of gets off the ground in that sense just because of the amount of attention it's going to attract so that that can be good for kind of wider knowledge about blockchain and crypto but it can also um, mean a little bit more time is needed before the project can actually really um, it's um it's interesting that you bring up the sort of regulatory aspects um your background is in think tank and policy um from that perspective how how is sort of how is how do you think regulation is is changing from where it was a couple of years ago with respect to crypto Well, I mean, really, um, my first entry into this whole world of of kind of cryptocurrencies was through the Bitcoin Foundation. And one of the reasons I was interested to go and work for them is that they were set up for a few different reasons. One was to help fund um, kind of software development because Bitcoin is an open source project. So you need funding in order to fund the developers who work on the project. Um, but another reason was to kind of be able to go out and educate policymakers about technology um, and try to prevent kind of bad regulations that would shut down innovation. Um, and, you know, we've gone from <clears throat> certainly where I live in, in London, in the UK and the rest of Europe, really 2014, when I started on this, I, I would say there was probably not one policymaker that really knew anything about Bitcoin um, and now we've got a lot of different policy making bodies. We've got um, an all party parliamentary group um, in Parliament in the UK looking at this. We've got Crypto Assets Task Force. We've obviously got uh, so called FATF, which is the Financial Action Task Force that's looking at crypto assets. We've got a lot of different kind of trade associations and bodies working on these topics. So it has gone a lot further up the policy agenda. I still think there's some misunderstandings out there there's there's probably a small core of mps and other people in government who really know and are really interested in pursuing what this means um and they're i think intelligent people who are doing a lot of reading and, and talking to people and trying to understand it but um there is a bit of a danger that we just treat this like any other technology and we don't really adapt to um you know what it means and that's that's a bit of a concern because if you think about something like uh, the Libra project, um, it could be severely hampered by kind of existing rules around anti-money laundering and kind of know your customer. Um, and the potential of the project is so huge, you know, to help people in developing countries have access to a kind of stable currency and source of um, making payments is kind of giving banking to people in developing countries who would otherwise not have it. Um but at the same time, developed markets are kind of saying, well, we don't understand this tech and we want to push it into a, a box that we already know. So I think there's quite a tension between our existing regulatory framework and how we actually adapt that to a world in which we're going to have some very different types of decentralized technologies. So I don't have a, a kind of all the answers to that at all. But I think part of it is really a lot better understanding between the policymakers and the technologists to explain what the potential implications are of the technology and how some of these things could be addressed actually through the tech. I mean, reg tech is a huge area and we can actually use blockchain to provide um, know your customer and AML checking in a much better way than we already have it now. Some companies that I know of already do that, but it's not widespread in use by banks or, or governments. So we still have a long way to go um, to get that understanding going, but it's definitely improved from where it was five years ago. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, you talked about obviously getting involved with the Bitcoin Foundation back in 2014. Can we go back and sort of t- tell us how how you found out about Bitcoin, why you wanted to to make that shift, and what you were doing before? Um, so. I got involved in a big event that was being run by the Bitcoin Foundation in 2014 in Amsterdam, which is really to bring, uh, I guess, spread the word of Bitcoin to people in Europe. Particularly, the goal was to educate kind of people I've just been speaking about. So policymakers, lawyers, bankers, traditional businesses and people in senior roles in public life about Bitcoin, because it was still in the realms of the technologists and the geeks and mostly kind of discussions on GitHub or sort of tech forums online and not in the mainstream of political and and business debate. Um, And I just thought that was a fascinating thing to be doing, first of all, and because of the network that I had from my past career, which was both working in individual think tanks, but also running my own business, which was a network for other think tanks to connect. I had that kind of network in business and in politics. And so I saw a really sort of good way to, to be able to kind of bring my old network um, into the Bitcoin world and also hopefully for me to develop a really interesting new network and an understanding of the technology that I saw as being, once I got my head around it, extremely fascinating, transformative um, and with huge amount of, of impact on society and on the economy. So it was almost like, you know, I worked a lot in um, Brussels and Geneva and other places on kind of policy seminars about how can we make Europe more innovative and you do a lot of talking and a lot of publishing things. And I kind of started to see, well, look, this is actually what I'm talking about being put into practice in the real world. Um, and I just want to be part of that story. So exciting. I think it's um, it's that same process that so many people go through when they find out about it, that, that you've just suddenly got to go all in and, and find out as much as you can and, and, um, and kind of yeah dive straight into the bottom I think you probably have a really amazing perspective because you work across that whole range of government and regulation and and big businesses as well as sort of startups and and small businesses for you what does the the future of blockchain and crypto look like in 10 years time it's so hard to make predictions I would like to think that um you know, we get much wider mainstream adoption um, of cryptocurrency because I think if we do that, then we'll also at the same time get the knock-on effect of more applications of blockchain in business. And, and they interrelate, but they are, you know, also mutually exclusive. You can have blockchain being used in, in enterprise without people really needing to know or use cryptocurrency in their day-to-day lives. Um, but they tend to kind of go hand in hand. So I would hope that we would see you know, as a broad kind of conclusion, it doesn't really mean that people have to know about blockchain even, but a more frictionless way of transacting. And I mean that in a general sense, so not just that, you know, my financial affairs are easier to conduct because I don't have to go through a lot of paper-based transactions and um, irritating kind of identity checks and things like that, that we constantly repeat when we're dealing with government, we're dealing with a bank, we're dealing with a new account we want to set up. But also just that my whole consumer experience, if I'm, you know, dealing with my GP, my, you know, my family doctor, or if I'm dealing with, um, you know, paying my electricity bill or wanting to use, you know, renewable energy or easily, um, that all of those things are made much more frictionless, simple and accountable to the user. And that's kind of how I see the power of blockchain is that it enables that much smoother 
um, more open, more transparent way of doing business. Um, and that could be, when I say doing business, not just commercial business, but also, you know, donating to charity or um, just kind of dealing with admin processes that we deal with when we interact with government departments. So any kind of day-to-day transactions that we do would just be putting the user in the driving seat. Yeah, I love this. Um, I love the concept of accountability. You know, can we use this technology as a way to hold either people or businesses or even governments accountable? Um, and, and particularly for me, uh, sort of the world at the moment is in a sort of slightly turbulent, volatile state. And so I think that we're undergoing this big shift. And and anybody who is looking at how this technology can kind of help that accountability issue going forward, I think is super interesting. Yeah, I mean, just to give a specific example, I just um, recently opened up a, a kind of online account with my doctor's surgery because it allows me to do um, you know, book my appointments online, which is something I probably should have been able to do a long time ago, but it's only just become available in the UK. Um, and in theory, I have access to my medical record, but actually the only thing I can see on there is the fact that I'm allergic to nuts, um, which is only a very small part of my medical history. As a woman in her mid-40s, I've had various things happen to me over the last 40 years or so, which probably should be in there, um, other than the fact that I have a nut allergy. So... Um, it's just one example of, you know, I would like to have my test results showing up in there without them having to be mailed by second class mail from the hospital to the doctor and then the doctor to me. Um, they could be instantaneously put in my account and I could see them and then I could choose what I wanted to do with that information. Um, so there's many things like that, that once you see the way blockchain works, you look at everything you do in a different way and think, why is this still working in such a backwards and old fashioned manner? I think it's it's really I, I'm the same. I see it in everything that I do or or touch now. I'm like, oh, we could improve this with this or improve this with this. We just need more people in it to to start building it. Um, so speaking of which, if if you have advice for people, um, particularly actually women, I think who are entering the space, what would what would that piece of advice be? Well, I never thought I would end up being a woman in fintech. I mean, I I sort of almost laugh when I, I hear myself described that way because I'm not a technologist and I'm not really a financier either. So, um, you know, in some ways I'm not really a woman in fintech. I'm just a woman who wants to see things work better. And blockchain and, and cryptocurrency has been my route into seeing some of the things I care about work better. Um, so I would say don't be put off by this. You know, many women tend to be put off as I was by technical things because they don't see themselves as technologists or by financial things because they haven't been educated to understand finance. Um, And it's something you can access. Um, Hopefully what I'm doing is trying to make some tools to make that more accessible for people. And we we do have um, a women in blockchain event coming up on the 4th of July in London, which you can find on Eventbrite, it's not just for women who are in blockchain, but also women who are interested to get into blockchain to meet others who can hopefully introduce them to the subject in a very easy and friendly way without it being something that's very off-putting. Um, so read up. I think it's going to be something that's going to impact on everybody's lives. So it's not just a question of those people who want a fintech career, but also 
you know, would you like to have access to something that can change your finances in general? Um, you know, there are many investing opportunities, opportunities to just um, better yourself in different ways because of this technology. So I don't think that women should miss out on that. And quite the opposite. I hope that women will seize that opportunity to get involved in something that will help them with their life chances in, in many different ways. You talked a little bit then about investing, and, and I know that you're a co-founder of Dot Ventures, which kind of invests a little bit in this space. For you, what are the most exciting opportunities around at the moment? So we don't so much invest in the space, but we help startups to um, find access to capital yeah. and to um, do investor relations. Um, and the reason that, that that was kind of created was that many blockchain startups, you know, look for finance to expand what they're doing. Um, and they have, to some extent, been able to do that through the technology, through launching their own cryptocurrency and fundraising in a kind of crowdfunding sense. But that's become more challenging because of regulation, partly, and, and because of other market conditions becoming more competitive. So people look for um, more traditional sources of funding, whether that's corporate venture or um institutional investment um and so being able to give people access to that funding is is important um in terms of investments um i mean i think we're still at the area where the kind of you know there are different layers of technology the protocol layer so the basic foundational layer that um allows other applications to run is still a kind of competitive space and i think that's an area where people can still um make money just there are various different blockchains and different sort of types of distributed networks that are, are rapidly developing um i think identity is the sort of next layer on top of that and i think the decentralized applications are sort of the third layer so for right now i think the people that are kind of um seriously investing are still investing in the foundations of this technology so if you think about the internet they're investing in all the kind of railroads and and tracks and branches of that network um, rather than all the kind of companies that would be built on top of that. Um, um, you know, those that have a bit more capital may be willing to take the more speculative investments in some of the decentralized applications. But I think if you were a more cautious investor or, you know, or cautious within a, a kind of cutting edge area, you would still go into the kind of the foundations of this tech because we are still quite early stage and people are still trying to find solutions to scalability and real enterprise grade applications. Um, that go fast enough so that we can do a lot of the day-to-day tasks we we want to do on blockchain. So Helen, I always finish with, we're just running out of time, I always finish with a quick fire round um, of questions. Um, So one or two word answers. Um, Are you a late night person or an early morning person? Morning. Um, What's the last book you read and marks out of 10? Uh, I read Michelle Obama's book called Becoming, um, and I have to say I give it a 9 out of 10. I thought it was fantastic. Praise book. indeed. Um, if you weren't doing your current job, what would you be doing? Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, probably writing a book. Ooh, fiction or, or non-fiction? Fiction. Amazing. And finally, um, who is your favourite person to follow on crypto Twitter? Oh, so hard. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a really tricky one. Um, you can tweet us with the answer later. 
<laughs> yeah, I'll have to get, I'll have to think about that one. Too many too many people. I follow thousands of people on Twitter, so uh, you can tweet me later with with your favorite. Um, Helen, is there anything else that you would like to to say to anybody listening, or indeed, how can people contact you if they want to or learn? So you can find me on Twitter at hdisney or at Unblocked Events. Um, I would encourage you to, if you're new to blockchain, um, go on the resources page of Unblocked and look at the videos or some of the articles that are there that give introductions to blockchain in different areas. There's also something called the decryptionary where you can um, unpack some of the complicated terms that get used in cryptocurrency that you might not understand. So um, just read as much as you can. And if you have any answered questions, I'm always happy to give people more resources by um, contacting me through my website or on email. Fabulous. Helen, thank you very much for your time today. Um, good luck with the Women in Blockchain event next week. And um, and I hope to see you soon. Thanks, Thanks so much, Jess. Wow, what a show. I want to say a big thank you to Jess for doing an amazing interview. And also a big thank you to Helen Disney the queen herself for gracing us with her presence on today's show. I really enjoyed the show. And if you enjoyed the show too, make sure you subscribe to the SVK Crypto Podcast. With that in mind, that's a wrap. I've got to bounce. Thank you so much for your time and your attention as always. Feel free to join our Telegram channel, SVK Crowd. If you type that in, you'll find us. Feel free if you have a cool project that you want to bring to our attention. My email is cstory, C-S-T-O-R-R-Y at svkcrypto.com. And follow us on Twitter at SVK underscore crypto. With that in mind, that's a wrap and I've got to bounce.